Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. Today, we've made it through in another week. Today is Friday, September 25th. If you still need help keeping track, it's the last week in September, and it is fall. So get those sweaters out. Get out your lattes, your pumpkin spice. Decorate for fall. It's time, and we're excited about that. And we're also excited about our guests today. Today, we have three guests. I haven't had three guests since before the pandemic. So I'm so excited. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. They're here today representing Batesville Main Street. So good morning, you guys. If you could introduce yourselves to my audience. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, Brian Rennekamp here. I'm Tina Longstreth, the Executive Director of Batesville Main Street. And I'm Ann Raver. I'm on the Main Street Board. Well, good morning, everyone. How has, Tina, I'll, I'll start this with you. Uh, Batesville Main Street, you guys have been busy through the pandemic, is that right? We have been really busy, yes. <laughs> Lots of behind-the-scenes stuff happening. Absolutely. I've seen you guys at several meetings, lots of thinking going on. And on Wednesday, you guys announced a campaign to start two different gathering places in Batesville, which is a great additive to this already wonderful community. So let's kind of talk about um, the start of the ideas for all of this. Okay, so kind of what this is, is two different projects that kind of merged into one. Um, years ago, um, after doing some community surveys, um, it was um, discovered that people really wanted more outdoor um, seating areas uh, available downtown. Um, so in 2017, before I ever came on board of Main Street, um, the board um, pulled together a pop-up park, um, which is um, what you may recall being in front of Amex Well for a couple different summers. Um, it was kind of just an impromptu um, park with you know, AstroTurf and some planter boxes and some seating. And um, the whole pop-up park concept is kind of um, a tool um, for pre-enacting what uh, a space will look like so that people can envision it because a lot of people are very visual and they can't understand the concept unless they can see it. Um, so that was done um, just to give the community a taste of what it would like be like to have some you know, outdoor seating areas. So that's been on our radar for several years to, to get that going. We've um, gone down several rabbit holes trying to figure out the best way to do that project. Um, in the meantime, um, a grant opportunity came available for um, through Indiana Humanities back in June um, to honor uh, women who had made significant contributions to different communities or women that had been significant uh, contributors to the suffrage movement, because this is the 100th anniversary of the suffrage movement, um, women gaining the right to vote. Um, and so a few of us on the board said, gosh, this is such a great uh, grant opportunity. It was a, an opportunity to get up to $40,000 in matching funding. And we have so many women in this community that have been significant contributors and we started thinking, well, what, what could we do to honor them? And so we, we started um, kind of brainstorming and um, this bike park area um, that's behind um, Total Tech, uh, where there's a pergola currently, 
that's always been an area that we, it's an area uh, Main Street claimed several years back as an outdoor space, but it's an area we always wanted to come back to and kind of enhance. And so we rolled all that up into one project and we went for that grant. So um, unfortunately, um, we were not in the finalists for that grant, but we got such enthusiasm from the community in terms of, um, um, you know, donations toward the matching funds we needed that we felt we couldn't leave that on the table. So we combined the two projects and that's where we are today. Excellent. So, and with that, I, I feel like the community response to the bike park currently is that it's not a really great usable space. So your plans with this would be to make it more user-friendly. Is that right? Right. Um, you know, it lacks shade. Um, it, it definitely feels like you're kind of sitting out in the middle of a concrete jungle. Um <laughs> You know, as you know, parking is at a premium. Nobody wants to lose parking spaces, you know, so we have to be very, you know, careful what we do. But um, we felt like we certainly could go in and um, add some privacy um, by putting in, you know, tall planter boxes, add some shade, you know, some greenery. Um, And actually, um, the component, the art component that we'd like to do in there is this beautiful illuminated cylindrical metal sculpture um, that has words um, cut out in it. It's hard to describe, you know, but uh, <laughs> it will honor, um, that will be the, the piece that will honor the women in the community that we're, you know, doing this for. So, um, so it'll be a really nice space, you know, it'll be private, It'll be, um, you know, it'll have art, it'll have light. Um, it's gonna really enhance the spot a lot. And can we highlight the five women that will be highlighted in the Inspiration Park? So um, the first two, um, and let me just tell you, um, this was originally when we came up with our five, we were working under the parameters of the grant and we had very limited space to talk. So we, you know, we made lists and lists of women that we thought were phenomenal women that we could have easily honored. Um, But we came up with this short list of women um, and we are having them be our inaugural uh, women that we're honoring. We understand that there are a lot of other women out there that have done tremendous things for our community. um, And we definitely envision future honorees. Um, but the women that we uh, chose for our shortlist were um, Margaret Hillenbrand and Mary Mitchell, who were the drivers, the visionaries and the drivers that um, were behind uh, Margaret Mary Health, back, back in the day, Margaret Mary Hospital. Uh, they really felt the need for a hospital in our community, and um, they opened that um, with the um, idea of having an entire wing dedicated to charity cases. Um, And, um, you know, obviously to have a hospital of that caliber in a town of 6,500 people um, that now serves 65,000 people in our community and neighboring communities, um, you know, obviously their vision was pretty incredible. Then we have um, Jane Yorn, who founded Safe Passage 
And um, she, the, the story behind the founding of Safe Passage is a very cool story. It was her and a few girlfriends sitting around the kitchen table trying to figure out how they could help um, a friend who was in a very bad domestic violence situation. Um, when they reached out and tried to find resources for her, they realized there were none, mm. very little. So um, she, she made it happen. I mean, she created this entity that has now saved over 14,000 women and children from domestic violence situations and counting. So tremendous. I mean, the, the vision and also the follow through to make sure it, it came to fruition and to keep it going um, was amazing. Um, and then we have uh, Jolene Rockwood, who um, moved here as a, as a trailing spouse um, in the 80s. And uh, she had six children that she was carting back and forth to Cincinnati for different music and art lessons. And she, you know, felt that the community needed um, more access to the arts. And so she founded uh, then at the time Rural Alliance for the Arts, which has been changed, the name has been changed recently to Batesville Area Arts Council. Uh, they're, you know, they've brought a, a tremendous entertainment into the town, but they also donate um, back money um, for arts and education programming to the schools every year. So over a million dollars to this point has gone back into the schools to bring visiting artists and authors um, that, you know, I mean, it's, it's been a tremendous resource for our children, um, and also, um, the community. And it's, I know it's put a, a lot of kids on the path to, a, you know, uh, a future in the arts. So, um, it's had a, a great impact. Um, and the final, um, nominee was Roberta Cook. Um, she, at a time when our Downtown was in an economic downturn and very vacant, envisioned um, a coffee house that would be kind of a third place, you know, gathering place. Um, and she, um, she really had a vision for not just a, a coffee shop, but, you know, kind of a coffee shop that ministers to, you know, the community. Um, and so she brought that vision to fruition with Amex Well, which as everyone knows is, is kind of a, a hub now, you know, lots of meetings here, lots of people meet up here. I've personally witnessed two people get engaged here who, wow. met, who came here for their first dates. Um, so it's, you know, it's obviously just done a tremendous, um, you know, it was a tremendous shot in the arm for downtown. Um, so, that that's that rounds up our five excellent group of women to start with and as you said there are multiple women in the community that have been very inspirational so just a start of course not not a finish line there for who to honor not at all and in fact i mean really what we're trying to say is you know we want you know the young girls that sit out there and have you know a frozen yogurt you know or a piece of pizza or a coffee or that are sitting in that space and they see um, that art piece, we want to inspire the next generation. You know, that's what it's all about. We're going to take a short break. And when we return, we'll continue speaking with Batesville Main Street on their crowdfunding campaign. 
And we're back. If you've just tuned in, we are speaking with Batesville Main Street Executive Director Tina Longstreet, along with Brian Rennekamp and Ann Raver from the Batesville Main Street Board. So part of this whole campaign is that parks aren't cheap and this is going to be beautiful and welcoming to the community. And so you guys need the community's help. So let's explain how this is going to happen. So um, we have been doing a lot of behind the scenes work, gathering money from different um, entities. You know, we've gotten city buy-in, we've gotten private and corporate donations. We have uh, quite a bit of the funding in hand, but we have quite a ways to go as well. And so this Um, campaign that's through the Indiana Housing Community Development Authorities Creating Places uh, program. They will match up to $50,000 of community funds. And so this campaign um, is really to bring in everybody in the community. You know, whether you've got $25 to donate or, you know, $10,000 to donate. There's no amount that is too small. What we want to see and what the spirit of this um, fundraising campaign is, is community involvement. Everybody wants to feel that they're a part of what we're doing, because the more that we can engage the community, the more, um, you know, enthusiasm that we can have to spur other projects. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of part of what patronicity does is that they want to see the buy-in from all the community members. Like you said, if it even if just a dollar, it's still $10. It's it's a generous donation if that's what you can make. Absolutely. I mean, when we when I hit live on our campaign page yesterday, um and I looked at that $0 amount and the amount that we needed to raise, I literally you know, it my chest <laughs> Up. It's a, it's a weird feeling, you know, and we started getting a few donations in and I want to tell you that those initial donations, they weren't super large donations, but they lifted my spirits and they made me think, yep, people get it. People, people want this. Um, so those donations to me uh, are just as valuable as any larger donations. Yeah, absolutely. And and how much are you guys looking to need to raise in order to have that matching grant? So we, this is an all or nothing campaign. So we need to raise $50,000 to get $50,000. If we don't raise the $50,000, um, the checks will not be cashed. The char- the cards will not be charged. And um, the reason that we did that is because we have, um, we have designs done. We have a solid project. And quite honestly, we didn't want to just throw something up that wasn't really high quality. And so um, so that's what we need. You know, that's what we need to make it happen. And, you know, we were just sitting here before we got, you know, you know, started talking with you. And, um, you know, there's 6,500 people in this community. If a third of them donated $25, we, we would close the campaign out and be done. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the thing is it's not that hard. It just takes everybody buying in. Absolutely. And it's a space that everyone can use. And so it, it'll be great 
for everyone. Um, if people want to see what your vision of what the parks will look like, where can they go and see kind of the mock-ups? Uh, so it's on our um, Batesville Main Street Facebook page. Um, that's probably the best place to see it at this point, right? Um, yeah, I think it's on Bates, um, Batesville Main Street. And then we are, we're having a final graphic done just to kind of do a, um, a 3D view of, of the women's park, um, which is over at the bike park area. That'll, that'll really let people kind of understand what we're talking about. We've actually flipped the space um, where the Christmas tree used to be. It would be flipped over to the other side to do the tree lighting ceremony. And then that opens up to the bigger, the bigger part of the parking lot. So that space will be way more programmable. And like Tina said, way more comfortable, way more shaded, just a, a way better, way better feel. And then, and then just way easier to have events around it. Now, a lot of people, we haven't really talked too much yet about the pop-up park, which wouldn't be a pop-up park after it would be permanent. Um, what? How do you guys visualize the space if you were not here like me in 2017? So it's going to come out the width of a parking spot and the length of the building from the corner to the Kellerman Law Office. I think it's about 1,100 square foot of outdoor space. There's going to be some trees planted. Uh, there's going to be benches and tables and a bike rack. And that spot is open to everyone. You know, anybody can sit there. So it's um, not, you know, it's not locked into one establishment. It is a community gathering spot. And this will be permanent instead of where you guys normally would have the temporary rolled in planters coming in. Correct. It will be permanent and there'll be, um, you know, safety uh, railings in place so that people can feel safe um, sitting out there. Um, so, you know, our originally when we started down this path, our we had big dreams. We <laughs> still have big dreams. Uh, we wanted to go the whole uh, length from Walnut Street to Sycamore. We wanted to do angled parking. We wanted to have multiple um, outdoor seating areas. Um, we ran into some issues that didn't make that possible at this time, but we haven't given up that dream. Um, so we're hoping that this is the start of a bigger project. Uh, Jody, the graphic of, for that, um, that was drawn previously for us to kind of sell it behind the scenes um, for um, the, the bump out um, that we're talking about, which we're calling Collaboration Corner. Yeah. So that's on the website now. So people could get a pretty good visual of what that is. Another important thing is that both of these spaces will be ADA compliant. And, um, and um, so instead of that curb that used to have to go down, um, it, it'll be, there'll be access in and out for um, anybody with any dis disability. So truly a, um, a, a space for everybody. We're trying to make sure, you know, everybody's included um, with these new designs. And that is definitely important these days when you're thinking about spaces for it to be for everyone. I will say from experiencing newer park areas and in, in other communities, sometimes like spaces might look a little strange in between benches and, and tables and, and, and trees and such. But those are actually meant for people if they're in maybe a wheelchair, or some other sort of ADA uh, device. So 
Don't think that things are just weirdly spaced. <laughs> well, it definitely is not going to look weird. We can assure you of that. Yes. And we've, got, um, we've got such an asset on our team with Brian Rennekamp that's going to be kind of a liaison, you know, to help um, because I know nothing about construction. <laughs> He is very good at it. Um, I can attest to that because he did my renovation at my home and it's gorgeous. We've loved it ever since you know, we did it. Um, so um, he is going to add a lot of value to this, um, you know, process um, to help us, you know, navigate, you know, how we're going to lay things out. Brian, when do you visualize it once this grant is going through because I know the community wants to follow through and totally support this these projects. Uh, what's the timeline on on when we can visualize in person and utilize these parks? So our goal is with uh, the close of this this capital campaign that we would be successful with that we will uh, start to utilize our resources in place very quickly. So the as Ann mentioned earlier, there are designs complete uh, that are ready to go for each of these two projects. We're going to be working very soon, uh, meaning in the next couple of, within the next few weeks to a couple of months, that window of time, with contractors to start gathering bids on final final construction documentation, and then uh, once the weather is allowable, we would we would hope to be starting construction as early as possible, 2021, uh, with completion springtime. Excellent. Perfect time to start in a new park in the area. Well, you guys have a deadline for this grant for people to be able to donate. And so let's talk about that. And let's remind everyone how and where they can go to make their donations uh, before we wrap up here. Okay. So, um, yes, November 1st will be the close of the, um, of the um, campaign. I I encourage everyone not to make me wait till November 1st to see this campaign <laughs> close. I'll be 25 pounds heavier and a lot grayer if you do. Uh, but whatever, we'll take the money up until that final day, you know, whatever you can give it. Um, we also um, are having a community night at the Sherman on October 22nd. Um, where they are going to give proceeds back. Um, we will be accepting donations there. We will have big, beautiful boards that have, um, uh, you know, the site plans on the boards for people to look at. Um, and um, the Sherman will give back, um, I think the hours are from 5 to 10, and they'll give back a certain percentage for um, Black Forest Inn and curbside pickup, and then an, um, a higher percentage for... Um, food and beverage sales in the beer hall, weather permitting will be in the beer garden. We're trying to be, you know, responsible with uh, regard to the COVID, um, you know, situation. So we want to make sure everybody stays safe. Um, so if weather permitting, we're going to try to be outside as much as possible. Um, and we also have um, Matthew Lamping performing, which um, he is a wonderful performer. Um, so that'll be a great opportunity to come and, um, hopefully we'll be celebrating by that point, you know, that we've made our goal. Absolutely. But if not, we can take your donations that night. You can click on the Batesville Main Street Facebook page, and there is a link to our, um, our site on Patronicity, and that'll give you a lot more information and a place to donate. And you can also mail checks to, um, PO Box 260. Uh, here in Batesville, um, and we'll accept those as well. So lots of ways to donate. 
Excellent. Well, is there anything else you guys would like to add before we close here? Just a big thanks to, to uh, allowing us to spread our word. You know, this message is, is a very important message. Uh, you know, the, the ability to reach a lot of people and for those people to reach us is important. These are long, long, long dreams of big projects, a lot of time invested in these projects, uh, a lot of creative vision, a lot of volunteerism from a lot of people. So we are really, really appreciative to have the opportunity to speak with you and, and have the community here for these uh, ideas. Jody, I had another thought. Um, I've seen, I think Greensburg's done several of these and um, I, I don't know how to really say it best, but um, I see a lot of these funds, uh, these campaigns being overfunded, which is not necessarily a bad thing. So if the community would, would happen to go over $50,000, that would not be a bad thing because we would, I think as Batesville Main Street, go back to those entities and, let, and say, let's do another one. Um, and find another spot for another one. Um, so um, I don't know how to say that the best, but it, it, these have been overfunded and it just spurs on the next, the next um, thing and kind of relieves the pressure of some of those big donors in the background. However, I mean, maybe you can speak to that, but they do, um, they do get overfunded if people look at the history of patronicity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you said it, I, I feel you've said it well. And and the main focus is Batesville Main Street is focused completely on your local Main Street businesses. And so your dollars that you donate to this organization are going to completely go right back into your community. Those are places that people, customers will be in those parks. You can draw new people to your area in those parks for new customers and your businesses. And so just remember, keeping those dollars local is the most important thing, if you ask me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, you guys. It's been wonderful. And we wish you the best of luck on your campaign. We don't want to stress Tina out. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> no, we really don't. <laughs>